Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. us physical life and spiritual life oh you're so merciful you look over us when we're stupid when we're crazy God we thank you for forgiving us time and time again oh thank you for the day when we can gather here in the house of prayer to worship with our brothers and sisters Thank you for songs, for scriptures, for prayers. And thank you now for the precious word. And may your word now speak, speak so clear to us that we hear it. And we are changed by it. We are helped because of it. Oh Lord, you know our needs. Pour into us and pour through us now what you would give. That your people might be blessed. Not just these who are here, but others who will hear it yet in another way. In Jesus' name, bless the words that are in our mouth. The meditations on our heart may be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We're going to conclude our thoughts as we have been discussing prayer today. All this month, a great way to begin the new year. Learning about right things that we should pray for learning about spiritual power that we need, learning to pray boldly. And today, the book of Acts chapter 12, really and truly, the text encompasses all 25 verses, but I'm only going to read about seven eight of these verses 
Now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, meaning Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to preach from the question, Why pray? And I'm adding to that. Because it is foolishness to fight against God. That's why you ought to pray. You, 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 you either going to be on God's side or you're going to be one who fight against God. And if you fight against God, it will be the craziest, stupidest, most foolish thing you could ever do. And so the thesis of the message today is if you can't beat him, join him. And you can't beat him. So while he's giving us opportunity, we certainly ought to join him. The, 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 the big deal today in today's world is, is that, that the church and God and faith has come under serious attack. The growing group today is not of new people becoming Christian. In a real sense, there's a big falling away. Big falling away from faith, from church attendance, from being involved, from owning the name of God. 
I got to be honest with you, some of it is because of what I call church hurt. There have been a lot of people who have gotten messed up inside of church, trying to do right, trying to serve God, but, 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 but Satan dropped a few of his buddies on the inside of church. And they were dressed up like sheep, but they were wolves. And they tore in the people. And I, got, I, I plan, I plan, I'm going to be honest with you, I plan first Sunday, which is next Sunday, I plan to have a morning of repentance for all of the church hurt that we have caused. But I don't think that's all that that is. Some people are using that as an excuse. But some of it occurred also because of the pandemic. And people got lazy and they got used to looking at it online and looking at it on television and, and all of the convenient ways in which it, it occurred. The pandemic changed every church in the world. I shudder to think just personally, I'm going to just lay down this little side bunt about, about Catholicism and, and the Catholic Church, which, which thrives on the mass. And, 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 if, and if you're not there in person, the mass really doesn't have that same grip. But every church has been affected. And some people have decided, well, I'm not going to go back. And they're pulling back. And, and, and you're violating the word of God, which says, forsake not thyself. The assembling together of the saints, as some have done. But I also believe, I also believe the real reason that the church and God has come under attack is because people have not known enough of the word to be able to hold them in difficult times. And, and, and I think that Satan has blinded the eyes of people and it caused them to miss what God is doing and what the real value of being in his body is all about. I, I, I live every day with the fear of meeting more and more young people who don't even know that Jesus is an option. Unlike generations ago, there were three areas that was the pillar of the community. That was the home, that was the school, that was the church. And you got Jesus introduced to him in one or, or all three. In some cases, it was all three. In some, it was one or the other. In my case, I got the little Jesus at home. Yeah, daddy would have them come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> oh, Lord, let me go to church. <laughs> we got it at school. We got Sunday school credit. We learned devotions. We had devotions. We said Bible verses. We, all of that. You got a little bit of it. If you didn't get it at home, you got a little bit at, at school. Then Sunday, there wasn't no such thing as not going to church. If you didn't go to church, you couldn't do nothing else. Wasn't nothing else open. 
had nowhere to go. You couldn't go outside and play. You couldn't do nothing if you ain't go to church. And my mama made it clear, if you're too sick to go to school and go to church, you're too sick. Whatever the reasons, but I think, I think it's all part of this long war between Satan and God. And that war has been going on since before the physical earth was created and it'll be going on until Jesus returns and into the millennial reign of Christ when he ultimately cast Satan into the lake of fire. Now, how did it start? Well, when God created the heavenly host, he created an archangel whose name was Lucifer. And he was in heaven along with all of the other angels, but the scripture tells us that he decided and said more than five different times, I will be, I will be like the most high. I will. So he wanted to exhort himself and make himself equal to God. And God wouldn't have it. God wouldn't give in to that. And Lucifer used his influence to influence a third of the angels and they were kicked out of heaven. And when they were kicked out of heaven, they had nowhere to go. And when God began to create the earth, it was already here. And so that's why he influenced the first man, Adam, because, and Eve, because he wanted to destroy the works of God. And that work has been going on ever since. Now, when he was kicked out of heaven and he came into the earth, he became known then as Satan. And he's still known as Satan, Diabolos, the devil. And that war has been going, man. God, God, God set up a, a moral system. He, he set up a sacrificial system there in the garden. And after Adam and Eve were kicked out, they told their sons about the sacrificial system. And Abel followed it, but Cain didn't. And because Cain wanted to offer God what he wanted to offer and not ask, do what God said, he got mad with his brother and killed his brother. First murder. Posing God. Then not long after that, God wanted to set up a, a system of righteousness and the rest of the world rejected that system of righteousness. But one man, Noah, accepted the system of righteousness and he and his family were saved in an ark and the rest of the world were drowned because they opposed God. After Noah was off the ark, later God decided to start over. He wanted to create a people with moral character. And, and, and Abraham obeyed it. But Lot had a little something in him that caused him to tiptoe down in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he disobeyed God. He and his family, his wife wouldn't follow God completely. She turned into a pillar of salt. You got to be crazy to oppose God. When you do, you just need to know you're going to lose. 
And people have been losing ever since. God chose Abraham to be the progenitor of a people and he passed on the information down through his grandchildren. And Jacob decided he wanted some level of what God had to offer and his brother Esau decided he didn't want it and Esau rejected his birthright and Jacob claimed it and, he, and Esau lost because he opposed God. Then Satan got slick, slicker. He decided, he said, now, I need to get more people going rather than just picking off one or two folk. So he started choosing leaders, kings of large amounts of people to put them in the fight against God. And the first world leader that he chose was in Egypt. His name was Pharaoh. And Pharaoh opposed God. God sent Moses down with the message, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is this God that I should obey him? And as a result, he bristled up at God and he lost. He, 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 he lost his army. He lost his firstborn son. He lost his own life. And that same scenario has continued down through the years. Children of Israel free from slavery in Egypt and they go into the promised land. On the way to the promised land, you had other kings that decided we're not going to let you in now. God had said you're going to the promised land. But a king named Ark, king of Sihon, decided you ain't going to go. God said, oh, yeah. And God wiped him out. There was another Canaanite king whose name was Art. He opposed God and God beat him down. There were five Canaanite kings and Joshua ended up having to put his foot on their neck. There were other kings who opposed God and their people were wiped out. Some even came up with schemes. But all of them Receive the same fate is when they oppose God. They lost. They lost. You can look at the historical record. Children of Israel decided they coming into the land. They set up a kingdom after they just looked around and said, we want a king like everybody else. And God said, okay, go ahead and give them a king, Samuel. But tell them what the king going to do. And Samuel tried to warn him, your king going to take your daughters and your sons. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your money. Oh, we don't care. We just want a king like everybody else. And then they chose Saul. And Saul disobeyed God. He opposed God. And when he opposed God, God took the kingdom from him. He gave it to another boy. His name was David. David did pretty good, did fairly right. He wasn't perfect. But he tried to have a bend in his life that followed God. David died. His son Solomon came on the throne. Solomon followed God for the most part until he got loose with women. And then when he got loose with women, they turned his heart away from God. And God took it from him. His son Rehoboam came to the throne. The young men, the old men came to him and said, son, Listen, your daddy Solomon was extravagant. He laid heavy burdens on us. 
If you ease up the burdens, we'll follow you all of our life. But Rehoboam listened to the young men who said to him, man, don't do what they say. Tell them if they thought your daddy was tough, whip you, I'm going to whip you with scorpions. And he caused the kingdom to split. And Jeroboam came and he decided to keep the people from going down into Jerusalem to worship. He set up golden calves at Bethel and Dan and said, these be our God. He opposed God. And he set up the ruin for every king that came on the, the, to sit on the throne at the northern kingdom. Every one of them opposed God. And every one of them lost. And even when we come into the New Testament, in the aftermath of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and his ascension into heaven, and we land in Acts chapter 12. Here is another king that decides he's going to oppose God. And so he decides. His name is Herod. See, the Herod family was already in place. The Herod family came about probably around 41 B.C., just before Christ. And Herod, the great was the first Idumean king. And he was the king that was reigning when Jesus was born. When the wise men came and they said, we, we're looking for him who was born king of the Jews. We've seen his star in the east and come to worship him. It was Herod the Great that they saw. But Herod the Great was a different kind of geller. He was, he was a mean something. And he didn't care nothing about nobody. As a matter of fact, they said it was better to be Herod's pig than to be his wife or children. Herod ended up being married 10 times and he had a whole lot of children. So by the time we come to Acts chapter 12, we're dealing with one of Herod's children. And this is Herod Agrippa, number one. And he was just as mean and as vile as his father had been. And he, in the text, is setting himself up to oppose God. The little church that had been born on the day Jesus got to heaven and sent the Holy Ghost was now in its early infancy and trying to navigate its way. And Satan revs up Herod Gripper one. And he opposes God by taking one of the pillars of the church whose name was James. James was the son of John, was the brother of John. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, had been called sons of bloods and thunder or nourages. And he had him executed with the sword. Now, you, when you start messing with God's man, and with God's people, you're messing with God. And so he set him up. But what he saw, he saw that by taking John down, that the rest of the Jews like that. You got to know that the church came out of Judaism. And, and many of the Jews saw the church as being just a segment of Judaism. 
And so when, when one of the, the pillars of the early church was taken down, the rest of the Jews rejoiced over that. And when Herod saw that his opinion poll went up with the people because he had taken down a church leader, he said, oh, it's on now. And he said, if I got John down, James down, I'm going after the biggest fish of them all. I'm going after Peter. Now, you know he's messing with God now because God had took it, taken this denial, cussing, fussing, ill-cutting off preacher and made him the inaugural preacher for the day of Pentecost to open the church. And now he's the leading preacher. And when Peter preached, man, people were joining every Sunday, every day they had it. And Herod decided, I'm going to get him. And he went and he had Peter arrested and had him put in prison. Look at it, look at it, look at it. He had Peter put in prison, not just in a jail cell, but delivered him to four squadrons of soldiers, had him put in the inner prison, and then had him chained to two soldiers. He wasn't intent for him to go nowhere because, Satan, because Herod was an opportunist. And the opportunity that he looked for, over, this was Passover time. And there were a million people in Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And Herod said, okay, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to wait till the feast days are over and the action die down when nothing else is going on. Then I'll bring Peter out. And since the people won't be hung up in all their other religious feasts, their, all their attention would be on me and me executing Peter. And man, that really ought to give me brownie points with them. And that was his plan. And so the days of unleavened bread passed. Passed over passed. And it was the night that Herod was going to pick up Peter out of the prison, put him on trial, convict him, sentence him to death, and early the next morning bring him out in front of the people and execute him. Somebody said, but God. See, that's why you, you got to understand what prayer will do. See, Peter was in prison. He was in trouble. His life was at stake. His life was on the line. But the text said, but the church prayed for Peter. Prayer was being made. See, whose side you going to be on? Either you're going to be on Satan's side or you're going to be on God's side. And if you're on Satan's side, let me tell you now, you're going to lose. You, 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 you're going to lose because, number one, you cannot contest God's power. Nobody has enough power to be up in God's face. Nobody has enough power to speak to God and tell him what to do. God doesn't have counselors. God doesn't have advisors. God doesn't have anyone telling him, hey God, it's time to wake the sun up. God doesn't have anybody telling him, it's time now to issue certain blessings. No one tells God, he is sovereign. 
He is almighty. He is the powerful one. He does what he want to do when he want to do like he want to do it. And nothing slips up on him. It might slip up on us, but it don't slip up on him. And the Bible said, and the church was in prayer. They met at Sister Mary's house. And at Sister Mary's house, man, they were down deep. The Bible said they prayed, meaning they really were in it. They were interceding. And that's why you got to understand different kinds of prayers. Some prayers are prayers of request, supplication. That's where you are making the request. Some prayers of thanksgiving where you're just thanking God. Some prayers are confession where you're confessing the wrong that you've done. Some prayers are adoration where you're just praising God for who he is. But this was an intercessory prayer where they weren't asking God for themselves, but they were praying for Pastor Peter. And sometimes we have to pray for other people. Sometimes, yes, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, but I ain't the only one that need prayer. Sometimes it is my sister. Sometimes it is my brother. Sometimes it is my wife. Sometimes it is my children. Sometimes it is my friends. Sometimes it's my enemies. But we have to pray for other people sometimes. And prayer was being made for Peter. And God heard it. And, and while they were having prayer, God, God whispered in the ear of an angel, I need you to go on assignment right quick. Sit him down in the back door of the prison, walk right in. Go right to Peter's cell. Now, I love what I see right here. What I love right here is Peter is in the prison. He's scheduled to be executed the next day, getting ready to go on trial later that night. But Peter in the prison and he sleeps. God help us now. You, you know it. if that was you, you'd be dragging them soldiers all over that cell, man. I can't sleep, man. They, they about to mess me up. I'm, I, got, I don't know how anybody think I'm supposed to sleep. But Peter was sound asleep. Do you understand what that meant? Man, I'm talking about, we live in America, baby. And in America, we spend more than $10 million every year on drugs to help us to sleep. Folk can't sleep at night unless they got a little help. I ain't gonna tell you what I told them at eight. <laughs> you know they got help. Well, there wasn't no Tango Ray. <laughs> wasn't no Gentleman Jack. <laughs> wasn't no Moscato to help this boy go to sleep. He went to sleep because his confidence was in God. When you're on God's side, the world may rise against you. You might not be able to stop some of the things that's going to happen, but your faith and your trust can be in him who is able. Peter went to sleep. And when the angel came down, the angel couldn't even get him up hardly. He, oh, he didn't do that. The Bible said he smoked Peter. That means he hit him. Hey, man, wake up. And he pulled him up. He had to get him up. He was that sleep. He put your sandals on, boy. Put your shoes on. Put your garment across your arm. We out of here. <laughs> Look at God. God will release miraculous power. Just in time. I like it. That's what the old people say. He don't come when you want him to, but he will come on time. And what a time for him to show up for Peter. 
He sent that angel in there, that angel man hit Peter, Peter waking up, man, Peter's still groggy, man, because he's in a deep sleep. He don't know whether he's dreaming, whether he's tripping or whatever. The, immediately when he get up, the chains fall off his arms. And the angel said, follow me. Let's go this way. And as the angels start walking, the doors start opening. I mean, nothing unusual about that. The doors open, Peter following. He walked right past the first set of soldiers, walked right past the second set of soldiers, walked right out the main prison gate. And once Peter got out in the street, I guess where the air hit him, and he really woke up and realized that he's not tripping, that this really is real, Man, he looks around, the angel disappeared. Angel job is done. I mean, you know, when God sent an angel on a mission, and once he accomplished his mission, he's through. He goes back for the next assignment. And so now Peter is free. That was his job. Get Peter free. And Peter free. So Peter goes where he knows people are. He knows where Sister Mary house is. And he knows the prayer meeting is going on at Sister Mary's. So he go to Sister Mary's house and, and there's a little outer gate, little outer door, and he knocks on the door. And, and now you got to see the scene. The folk inside, they're in there praying. And some folk on their knees, some people got their hands up, some people in tongue, some people whatever. But they call, oh, Pastor Peter, oh, Jesus, help Pastor Peter, oh, Peter, oh, Peter, oh, God, deliver Peter. Peter knocking at the door. They in there praying, oh, God, help Peter. Peter at the door. Oh, God, help Peter. Peter at the door. He's knocking. Oh, man, I wish y'all could hear me today because that's the truth for us. Sometimes we still crying and God already answered the prayer. God has already sent the answer to the prayer and we still on our knees. We still mumbling. We still throwing up our hands. We still throwing salt in the air. And God has already come through. Slave girl named Rhoda go to the door and she see Peter out there. She don't even open the door. She see Peter, she run back into the prayer meeting. She said, hey, y'all, y'all praying, but answer at the door. <laughs> they said, God, shut up. We busy, we praying. And they keep praying. She said, no, answer at the door. <laughs> and, and they praying, they still praying. Now, you know what? Sometimes people pray like that, half-baked prayers. Don't believe God going to answer it for real. Don't think God has the power. And God has already done it. He's sooner than right now, faster than immediately. The Lord will answer your prayer. Peter don't want to stay outside. He just got out of jail. And he knows soon somebody going to be looking for him. He don't want nobody to see him on the street. So he's knocking on the door. Hey, y'all, let me in there. Let me in there. Get me out of this street. And she's just so shocked, so surprised. The people inside say, that must not be Peter. That must be his angel or his shadow. But then they recognize his voice and they finally let him in. And you know when they let him in, oh, praise God. Oh, Lord, look at you. Oh, God. They went into a whole nother big set of noise. Over the answer prayer. But Peter putting his hand up. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, calm down. Calm down. Be quiet. Let me tell you what really happened. Yeah, I was in prison. I was on death row. They was expecting it to take my life. But the Lord <laughs> caught him by that. Anybody ever had a story like that? 
they had me down. It looked like it looked bad for the home team. It looked like it was late in the quarter and, and, and the game was almost over. But the Lord snatched victory from sudden defeat. Won't he do it? Peter tells this story. Then the Bible said Peter left. Where did he go? Nobody knows. Peter knew he couldn't stay there because he knew that as soon as the discovery was that he was not in prison, they're going to come around looking for Peter. So early the next morning, when they begin to wake up and they're ready, Herod comes looking for Peter. No Peter. Soldiers looking around in the jail for Peter. No Peter. Herod gets mad. He was already a tyrant. And because he's a tyrant, he then questions the soldiers. And nobody could give him a satisfactory answer. The soldiers knew that their lives were in danger. Every one of them understood that. You see it later in the book of Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi and God sent an earthquake at midnight and the doors of the prison was open and the soldier was ready to fall on his sword. Paul said, don't do yourself no harm. We're all here. Nobody has escaped. That man was ready to take his own life because he understood that guarding a prisoner would mean if he lost him, he should lose his life. And so you know what Herod did. Being the wicked man he was, who was already willing to slaughter James and ready to kill Peter and probably had bigger designs on the rest of the church. He had the soldiers all executed. Because they had lost Peter. Now, it looked like to me, here's what I want to tell you. It looked like to me, he'd have left it alone. He'd have left God alone. He'd have said, okay, God, you got me. You pulled one on me. I don't know how you did it. I don't know what you did. But I'm going to let you slide. I'm going to get on out your way. You've already shown me that I'm no match for you. But that's not what he does. In his, in his tyrannical, maniac way, he leaves Jerusalem, yes, but he goes up the road a little ways to Caesarea. Uh, at Caesarea was a Roman garrison. And he goes there, but he's still angry. And he becomes even more angry at the people in Tyre and Sidon who lives just to the north, no longer in the borders of Israel, but in the realm of Syria. And he's mean to them. He's hateful for them. There's a famine in the land. He won't let them get any food. He won't provide any services for them. He's hateful for them. So they decide to try to, try to come up with a scheme to, to win him over. And they use one of his Chamberlain men to, to, to try to get in good with him. And then it came up on, and I didn't give all the detail earlier, but I'm just giving it to you, lay it down as a little bunch. That it was now time for Herod, or should I say, Caesar, Claudius Caesar in Rome who had just came back off a of vacation in Britain and it was his birthday. So it was going to be a big birthday celebration for Caesar. It was going to be a two-day bash. The first day, all of the praise and honor was going to go for Caesar, wishing him a happy birthday. But the second day of the feast was designed to honor Herod, Agrippa I. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Not only is it foolish to fight against God, 
because you can't contest his power. But secondly, you can't fight against God because you can't avoid your punishment. When God decides that if you keep pushing, you're going to get to punish, you're going you're to get dealt with, he's going to handle you. And Herod would not leave folk alone. He decided he opposed God by trying to, by having John kill, James kill, wanted to get Peter killed, and now he's gone out of the way to try to make life miserable for the people in Tyre and Sidon. And whenever you oppose, mess with poor people, and the least of these, you're also messing with God. So on the second day, Herod came out in his silver robe. That's what Josephus, the historian, said was. He said he came out and he sat on his throne. He's going to give his speech and do all of these things. And as Herod, as Herod was speaking, then these people from Tyre and Sidon who were trying to butter him up said, ooh, we are hearing not the voice of a man, but the voice of a God. Oh, we're not hearing the voice of a man, but the voice of a God. And oh, stupid Herod would not tell the people, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. No, don't, don't, don't call me a God. There's only one God. I'm just a mortal man like everybody else. But no, that ain't what he do. When they start saying, we're not hearing the voice of a man, but we're hearing the voice of God, he took it. Yeah, say it again. Say it loud. <laughs> and he's soaking it all in, all of the praise that he is a what? Now, you know what's the problem there, don't you? You see how that opposes God, don't you? See, God will share his blessings, but God is not going to share his glory. The glory is preserved for him and him alone. And he is the one who gets the glory. Thine is the kingdom and the power. And what? The glory. For how long? Forever. And now Herod Agrippa wants the glory. And God sent another angel. Needs you to go on a quick mission. And he went down. And, and, and he struck Herod. It doesn't say that he hit him with a knife, doesn't say he hit him with a heart attack, but he struck him and he fell off his throne right there and he died. And God turned him over, released the death worms and the death worms ate his body up because you cannot escape the punishment when God decides. Listen, so you, got, you ought to pray. You, you ought to pray because you can't fight against God. Listen, I try to tell young people everywhere, when you're trying to be ugly to your mama and ugly to your daddy, you're not setting yourself up against your folk, but you're setting yourself up against God. God is the one who says, honor thy father and thy mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God giveth thee. Your arms too short to box with God. And you won't be able to contest his power. And you won't be able to avoid the punishment that God will dole towards you when you are fighting him. Now, one thing I've always noticed, whenever Satan does something like this, 
he always used influential people. And I'm sorry to tell you, man, that in the morning when you get up, when you go where you gotta go, it, it's not gonna be the new folk. It's not gonna be the low man on the totem pole. God, he gonna stir in some of those that you would expect to be God honoring, but they won't be. But let me tell you one more thing, cause I gotta go now. Not only is it foolish to fight against God because you can't handle his power and you won't be able to avoid his punishment, but you also can't stop him. You can't frustrate his purposes. Look at what God does. Peter, your major service is done now. For the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, Peter is the main man. Peter preaches on Pentecost. Peter walks through Jerusalem. People get in his shadow. People are healed by Peter's shadow. Peter is called to Cornelius' house. Peter, Peter is everywhere. But after chapter 12, when he left that prayer meeting, God hid him out. Peter makes one more appearance in chapter 15 because God is ready now to use somebody else. And, and, and no one can stop God's purposes. So what you see next is God in a prayer meeting, another prayer meeting, say, separate me. Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them. And now coming to the forefront is Saul. And he goes down and his name is changed to Paul and he becomes Paul the apostle and God launches him forward because God's purposes cannot be frustrated. You can mess with me. You can try to push me out the way, but you still won't be able to stop God. God always got somebody knock me down, the next man comes up and God's truth will go marching on. No one can stop God. No one can get in his way. That's good news for you too. Because see, you're here today because God is not through with you. There is more purpose that God has for you. There is more plan that God has for you. Satan tried to release a little sickness and he thought that was going to do it, but that didn't do it. He sent some hell angels to criticize you to try to make you sit down, but that didn't do it. Nothing that he can do can stop God from doing what God does and he continues, like my daddy used to say, to allow these golden moments to roll on just a little while longer because God is not through yet. And I just want somebody to know that it ain't over until God says it's over. It ain't over until God says it's done. Put the handcuffs on, put me down, lock me in a cell, talk about me, burn up the book, but it still ain't over until God says it's done. And I can tell you about the times he's rescued me. Starting all the way back at a little boy. We couldn't go to the public parks to learn to swim because of segregation. So we tried to learn to swim in the ditch. And on the back of the ditch near where I grew up, it had rained and the waters had swollen. And I dived my little happy self in there, couldn't swim. 
But God had another boy to come in there and get me out because it wasn't over. It wasn't time. He had more purpose and more plan for me. Coming out of Atlanta one rain slick night on I-20. A car turned and made a funny thing and I'm looking at an embankment but God sent an angel to grab a hold of the wheel and parallel park that baby right on the side of the road because it wasn't over yet. Going down Jefferson Avenue, man, one Sunday after church, man, bullet fire broke out in behind me. Bullet came through the trunk of my car, headed straight for my seat, but God grabbed it because it ain't over until God says, it's done. So be encouraged today. Why pray? Because it ain't over. Why pray? Because it's foolishness to fight against God. And if you can't beat him, you at least ought to join him because nobody can stand up against his power when he releases his power for you. Nobody can stop the punishment when somebody mess with you, ain't got no business messing with you. God knows how to handle that. And no one can stop purposes and the plans that God has for your life. Praise God today. I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on talking to him. I'm going to keep on asking him for guidance. I'm going to keep on thanking him. I'm going to keep on blessing his name. I'm going to keep on honoring him because I don't want to be an instrument used by Satan to oppose the work of God. I want to be an arrow in his killer used to launch God's glory. Doors of the church open. Doors open. Somebody may want to give their heart to God today. Somebody want to have a changed life. Somebody want an opportunity. This I is know your moment. the odds look stacked up against you. Listen at the song. And it seems there's no way I know the issue seems unchangeable And that there's no reason to shout But the impossible is God's chance to work
Hey friends, this is Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And I know by now you know about this new book that we have released. Not only have we released it, the book is here. And it's an excellent read, not just because I wrote it, but because of the content and what it conveys. It tells the story of where marriage comes from. Marriage comes from God. And I need us to know that. And if you are in love and are considering this particular path for your life, the content of this book will help you along the way. Not only do we talk about where marriage comes from, we talk about keys to compatibility, what's necessary to be effective in marriage. I have a little acronym in the book, it's called CUT, C-U-T, Communication, Understanding, Trust. That becomes the basic formula that's necessary for any marriage to be successful. Not only do we talk about those things and the keys to compatibility, we also talk about staying in love. Once you're in love, we certainly want to remain in love. And some may wonder, well, what if I married the wrong person? We even deal with that as well. So this is a great opportunity for you to make sure that you're in line with what God's will is for your life. God bless you. Please follow the prompts on the screen that you may know how to get your personal copy of this book. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.